This morning we find ourselves at the end of the 10th chapter of Mark, where Jesus twice asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? First, he asked two of his disciples that question, James and John, and then he asked a blind man named Bartimaeus. However, even before he asked anyone that question, he predicted for a third time his upcoming suffering and death in Jerusalem, and that's where we want to begin today, with Mark 10, 32 through 34. Listen as I read. It says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Let's take a moment and pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this chance today to share uh, this important message. And God, I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds to the truths that your Son has here for us. And God, I pray that you'll help us not to be just hearers of your word, but help us to be doers. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Jesus and his disciples were on their final journey to the city of Jerusalem. Twice before, Jesus had told them of the suffering that lay ahead for him when they arrived. But in spite of his upcoming suffering and death, Jesus was intent on getting to Jerusalem. The scripture says that he was out in front of them leading the way. See, Jesus had come to earth with a mission to suffer and die for the sins of the world. He was focused on fulfilling that mission no matter the cost. And that kind of commitment astonished the disciples. That kind of courage amazed them. Plus, there were others in the group following Jesus that were afraid. They weren't sure what was going to happen to Jesus or to them when they got to Jerusalem. So somewhat to calm everyone's fears, Jesus detailed to his disciples once more what was going to happen. He didn't want them to be surprised. He was going to be betrayed. He would be taken before the chief priests and teachers of the law who would sentence him to die. And then Jesus shared a new piece of troubling information. He would be handed over to the pagan Romans who would humiliate him and punish him mocking him, spitting on him, flogging him, and finally killing him. Last, Jesus shared the one bit of good news. Three days later, he will rise. But unfortunately, the disciples didn't hear that part of the story. They didn't hear about his resurrection from the dead. And so they were so focused on Jesus' death, they could not understand If he was the Messiah that they believed him to be, why does he have to die? They were still somehow hoping that he would be setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem. Now with all of that in mind, we turn our attention to the rest of this morning's text. 
And here is today's spiritual lesson that I found at the heart of this scripture, and that is Jesus desires his disciples to follow his example and sacrificially serve God and serve others. Let's apply that truth to our lives. Jesus desires us as his disciples today to follow his example and sacrificially serve God and serve others. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in his life. He was sacrificially serving God and serving others. And that's what he wants us to do in our lives. Remember, as his disciples, we are to be learning from him and living like him. And in the process of teaching that truth about service here in Mark 10, Jesus also taught about prayer. So imagine for a moment if Jesus asked you the question that he asked James, John, and Bartimaeus that day. What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question? I mean, what would you ask Jesus to do for you? Would you ask about a pressing need that you're having? A sin issue that you're struggling with? A troubling illness that you're suffering with? An important insight that you're needing to know? A witchful dream that you're wanting? In prayer, we have the privilege of coming before God and asking for all those things and maybe a thousand more. I mean, a part of prayer is asking God to do something or to provide something for us or for others. And in my study of Scripture this week, I discovered two lessons. Two lessons about prayer and service. I know they're kind of complicated, but I think they'll explain, I hope. The first lesson is this, if if you make a prideful request to Jesus in your praying, he still desires your sacrificial service to God and others. I mean, let's look at the request that James and John made in Mark 10, 35 through 37. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your, in, in, in your glory. <laughs> James and John approached Jesus the way a child may approach their parents, asking, will you do something for me, Dad? Will you give me whatever I ask, Mom? <laughs> However, like a wise parent, Jesus wanted to know what they wanted before he answered And when Jesus asked them what they wanted him to do for them, they selfishly asked for the seats closest to him when he sits on his glorious throne. The one on his right and the other on his left. This is a prideful, self-centered request. They weren't interested in seeking Jesus' glory. They were interested in seeking their own glory. They wanted to be first and second in his kingdom. And let's face it, we can also be prideful and self-centered in our praying. And when we pray with that kind of an attitude, God is not going to give us what we ask. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend 
what you get on your pleasures. And as we shall see, Jesus didn't promise James and John what they asked for. It wasn't an honor for him to give. Listen then to Jesus' response to their request, beginning Mark 10, 38-40. We're just working through the text. You don't know what you're saying, what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at your right or your left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. James and John had no idea what heavenly glory would cost them. It meant sacrificial service, like what Jesus was going to endure in Jerusalem. Jesus asked them, are you too able to drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? I mean, are you guys able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? James and John proudly thought that they were ready to endure anything for Jesus, just like Peter, who proudly thought that he would never betray him. But at this point, James and John were selfishly overconfident. But Jesus made it clear that eventually they would drink the cup of suffering, and eventually they would be baptized with the baptism of suffering. The Bible tells us that James was the first to be martyred among the twelve disciples, and church tradition tells us that John lived through being boiled in a vat of hot oil and ended up in exile. Both of them ended up sacrificially serving God and serving others. But that's not where they're at here in Mark 10, and it's not where the other disciples are at, and people it may not be where we are at as disciples of Jesus. Look what happened next, Mark 10, 41 through 44. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. When the other ten disciples heard that James and John wanted the best seats next to Jesus in his kingdom, they became indignant with them. They were angry by it because they pridefully thought that they deserved those best seats. And so Jesus taught them a lesson about the difference between worldly greatness and godly greatness. Worldly greatness is all about having power like the Roman rulers who lorded over them, and the government officials who flaunt their authority over them. But godly greatness isn't like that. It's about humbly serving people. Whoever wants to be great according to Jesus, they must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you, they must be slave of everyone. In God's kingdom and among his people... 
We have a different standard of greatness. Greatness is all about serving. Serving God and serving others. Now that may not be the world's standard for greatness, but that is our standard for greatness in the church because it's Jesus' standard. Serving God and serving others, not pridefully seeking what we want for ourselves. Jesus gave a powerful example, Mark 10, verse number 45. Not every, not, not even, excuse me, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is not requiring his, from his disciples more than he was willing to give. I mean, his life from the manger to the grave, was all about serving God and serving others. I mean, think about it. Jesus is the Son of God. He had lived for an eternity with the Father in heaven, and yet he left heaven to serve us and to save us. He gave his life as a ransom for us. A ransom was a payment made to free a prisoner or a slave. Jesus died on the cross to free us from sin's punishment, to free us from sin slavery. I mean, you talk about serving God and serving others. Jesus sacrificially served God and served others. And now he expects his followers, his disciples, to do the same, to sacrificially serve God and serve others. The disciple John finally learned that lesson. He wrote in 1 John 3, 16, By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus laid down his life for us, serving God and serving others. And so, in turn, we lay down our lives for others, serving God and serving others. Do you see how this ought to change the way that we live and the way that we pray? The focus of our lives and our prayers should be upon serving God and serving others. Not focused on what we want, but focused on what He wants. Not focused on our own well-being, but focused on the well-being of others. That's the first lesson that Jesus wanted us to learn about prayer and service. If you make a prideful request to Jesus in your praying... He still desires your sacrificial service to God and others. The the second lesson is if you display a humble faith to Jesus in your praying. He also desires your sacrificial service to God and others. Now let's look at the request that the blind man, Barmatus, made. Mark 10, verses 46 to 48. Then they came to Jerusalem as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. To understand this part of the story, you need to understand a little bit about what it means 
or what it meant to be a, fo- a blind back in Jesus' day. The popular thought was that blindness or really any other disability was a curse from God because of some sin. And so blind people were despised, they were ignored, they were shunned by others. They were left to beg along the street to get a little money to sustain them. I mean, that's exactly what Bartimaeus was doing that day. He was sitting there by the road begging. When Jesus, his disciples, and a large crowd came walking by, and Bartimaeus began to shout loudly, as a woman in childbirth, Jesus, son of David... Have mercy on me. It's interesting they call Jesus son of David, which is a title used to describe the promised Messiah. And so Barmaeus believed at least at some level that Jesus was the Messiah, and as the Messiah, he believed that he could heal him of his blindness. He was desperate for healing. And when the crowd told him to be quiet, he called out all the more, shouting even louder. You know, when it comes to our praying, I'm not sure that we recognize how desperate we are for God to work in our lives. We cannot be the disciples that Jesus desires us to be without Him and His Holy Spirit working in our lives. Which means that we need to join Bartimaeus in shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. The story continues, Mark 10, 49-51. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And say, they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Jesus heard Bartimaeus shouting, He stopped and told the disciples to call him over and tell him, Man, we've got good news. Get up. Jesus is calling you. And he threw his cloak aside, jumped to his feet, came to Jesus. One commentary noted the significance of Bartimaeus throwing his cloak aside quickly. The people who had passed by would have thrown the money on that cloak when he was begging. But he wasn't worried about that money. Jesus had called him, and more than anything else, he wanted to be healed. That's when Jesus asked Bartimaeus today's question, what do you want me to do for you? And he responded simply and humbly, Rabbi, I want to see. The, The New Testament translation says, my rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi is a term of respect for a teacher from his students. It means my Lord, my master. It expresses a humble submission to Jesus. Bartimaeus wanted to see. He didn't want to be seen in envy like James and John with the seats closest to Jesus. He simply wanted to see. He just wanted to be able to live an ordinary life, making it on his own. Bartimaeus' request teaches us something about prayer. He began with a general request, have mercy on me, but then he made a specific request, I want to see. 
Let me tell you too much of our praying is general. God bless us. God bless this person. God bless that person. How do we want God to bless them? How do we want God to bless us? We need to ask specifically, believing that Jesus can fulfill our request. Now, whether he does that will be up to him. But sometimes we don't have because we don't ask, because we don't ask specifically. Now, note Jesus' response to Bartimaeus' request. Mark 10, 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. It was faith that healed Bartimaeus. The word healed here is not the usual word for healing. It is a word that can be easily translated saved as healed, combining both the spiritual with the physical. Barmaeus received his sight and he received salvation on the basis of his faith. It was faith that reached out to Jesus, shouting all the more. It was faith that declared who Jesus was, calling him Son of David, the Messiah. It was faith that came humbling to Jesus, asking him for mercy. It was faith that humbly submitted to Jesus, calling him Rabbi. It was faith that told Jesus what he wanted him to do. I want to see. And that faith made Bartimaeus well physically and spiritually, and that kind of faith will make us well. The scriptures are clear that we should expect nothing from our prayers unless we pray believing. And we will never receive the gift of salvation without believing, without faith. Please notice how the story ends. It tells us immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Barmaeus may have begun that day sitting along the road as a blind beggar. But he ended that day as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. He followed his rabbi down the road to Jerusalem. As one commentary put it, Bartimaeus pictured discipleship clearly. He recognized his inability, trusted Jesus as the one who could give God's gracious mercy and when he could see clearly, he began to follow. I mean, that's what Jesus expects from his disciples. But back then, and just as much today, a faith that follows Jesus, a faith that prays believing, a faith that sacrificially serves God and serves people. I mean, that's the second lesson about prayer and faith. If you display a humble faith, to Jesus in your praying, he also desires your sacrificial service to God and others. That brings us to our practical applications this morning. What are we going to do as a result of this morning's scripture? Let me suggest uh, four things. Number, number one, know that Jesus desires you as his disciple to follow his example and sacrificially serving God and serving others. Remember, we are to learn from him and live like him, and that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did, sacrificially serve God and serve others. Second, evaluate your praying. I mean, which dominates your prayers? 
prideful requests that focus on you or a humble faith that focuses on Jesus and others? I mean, just think about your prayer life. Also, evaluate your service. Are you more interested in selfishly being served or in, or in humbly and sacrificially serving God and serving others? I mean, is our Christian life more about us than about Jesus? Is it more about us than others? And then last of all, with God's help, correct any errors that you discover in your praying or service. See, as a disciple of Jesus, you should desire to follow Him fully. We need to become more and more and more like Jesus, more like what He taught, more like how He lived. And that's our prayer as we close this morning. Dear Father, help us uh, to be Jesus' disciples. God, that you help us again to, to, to learn from your Son and help us with your Holy Spirit to live like him. The challenge before us is great. The lesson here is important. You want us to sacrificially serve you, serve your son, and serve others. And Lord, help us in that task. We need your guidance. We need your help. We need your spirit. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. As we close this morning, I, again, I'd like to extend an invitation to you. Next Sunday, or really next weekend, we're going to be having... Our, our homecoming weekend. A Saturday night, we're going to get together, and, and Todd Epps is going to lead us 6.30 Saturday night in a service here, and then we're going to have an ice cream social. Come, come share. Again, on Sunday morning, we're going to gather for worship at 10.30, and, and Roger James, uh, one of the old preachers from the church here, is going to be sharing. And then after that, we're going to have a catered meal for everyone. And so we invite you to come and share with us. Now, again, if you can't get it out and you want to join on the radio, we're going to have a message here for you next Sunday as well. But, but we always invite you to come and, and be a part of our family. We want to thank you so very much for listening. And we look forward, again, to sharing with you in some way uh, next Sunday.